Welcome to the Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. This is the place to learn how to make a big impact in your community through grant writing and nonprofit consulting. The world needs you to step forward as a grant writer and use your skills to lead with confidence. I'm Teresa Huff, former special ed teacher turned grant writer and nonprofit strategist. In my 20 years of freelancing, I've helped nonprofits triple their funding and exponentially increase their reach. Now I'm stepping up to mentor freelancers and nonprofit leaders like you who are ready to take your skills to the next level. It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Hey friends, welcome. I have an incredible guest today and this is a fascinating topic. I know you're going to love it. Before we get started, nonprofits and grant writers often ask me where to find grants. Recently, I discovered Instrumental, and it's made my grant searching process go so much faster. You can customize the search terms, and they even send reminders of upcoming deadlines. They have all the helpful data right there in the system, and their customers end up saving about three hours a week on average. Instrumental does all the heavy lifting for your grant prospecting, tracking, and the ongoing project management. In fact, I've partnered with Instrumental to give you a free two-week trial and $50 off your first month. Go to TeresaHuff.com slash Instrumental, that's instrument with an L, to start your free trial and use the code GWSPOD. Go give it a try and see how you like it. Last week, we talked about addressing red flags in our organization, especially in how it relates to our grant applications. And we talked about how it's much better to address those up front and be transparent to build trust with funders. We work on this kind of thing in the Fast Track to Grant Writer program, and I help students understand how to talk about these things with transparency so they can be proactive in their grant writing and help clients and help nonprofits design their programs in a way that invites funders to be a part of the solution. Before we can do that, though, nonprofits first need to acknowledge and be aware that there even are challenges. Sometimes these can be blind spots either at the organizational level or at the personal level. We all have them. (laughs) And this idea of blind spots is something that I've been pondering for quite some time. How can we find blind spots when, (laughs) I mean, they're blind spots. So we can't exactly just say, oh, I'm going to work on that blind spot today. We don't even know it exists. So we can't work on them even if we want to. It's not like when you decide, I want to run a marathon, even though I'm not in shape. But with that, you have a goal and you can reverse engineer a plan to meet that goal. I know I'm not in shape. I want to run a marathon. Here's my plan to do it. But blind spots, those aren't so easy. Blind spots are elusive. First, it's partly because we don't know what we don't know. And secondly, with a lot of the grant writers I coach, They also don't know what they do know. So we have to do some digging to help uncover that and help them see that and connect the dots. We can ask others about our own blind spots, and sometimes that might help reveal clues, but not always. Blind spots are really tricky because they can also change in different seasons as we grow and as we go through different situations. 
That's a part of the process. And rather than being afraid of what we'll find, we really are better off to lean into the process and have a willingness to uncover them because they're only going to make us better when we discover and you know, be aware and work on those. If we're open to growth, this is a really healthy step. Uncovering and addressing blind spots is important at both the personal level and at the organizational level. This is especially true when you're talking about nonprofit boards and internal organizational dynamics. We need to become aware and address the blind spots so that we can have a healthy, growing nonprofit. Now, at first, I thought this process might be a little uncomfortable, but today's guest showed me that it can actually be quite fun and extremely helpful. (laughs) This is such a fun conversation. Today, I am talking with Licky Lavji. Licky is a sought-after keynote speaker, and he is author of Amazon's number one bestseller, Death by BS. Licky teaches audiences how to break barriers to unleash their potential. He has over 25 years as CEO of a top IT company, so his extensive experience in executive leadership has given him a unique perspective, and he brings a lot to the table when it comes to helping leaders and organizations understand the layers beneath human behavior and how that impacts their growth and their productivity. You've heard me mention the go-giver several times on the show. Bob Berg is the author of that, and Bob has worked with Licky, and he refers to Licky as a transformational keynote speaker. So I highly recommend you take a listen and then reach out to Licky and look at his resources because he has some incredible things available. Get ready to be moved and inspired with insights on how to achieve greater outcomes by navigating through your blind spots. Here we go. Licky, welcome to the show. It is great to have you, and I've been excited to talk with you today about this topic. Before we get started, tell us a random fact about yourself. Boy, that's, I love to be put on a spot like that. Random spot. <laughs> Let's see. I'm a long-distance cyclist. Ooh, by long distance, what do you mean? 100 to 125 kilometer, 150 kilometer. My longest ride has been 250 kilometers over two days. Wow. (laughs) That that takes some stamina. Well, when you're riding for cancer, Mm you've got to find that strength in there. Ah, yeah. interesting. That's a perfect tie-in. That goes to our topic today of finding your deeper motivation and your meaning for it, which is really what nonprofit work is all about. Exactly. And I love I love the work that you do, the impact that you have on a lot of people. That's it's incredible. Thanks. Teresa, thanks for reaching out and and putting, you know, reaching out because you actually connected with one of our my mentors, Bob Berg, and we're we're connected because of that. So I appreciate that. Yes, you're welcome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. This is a topic that's been sort of rolling around in my head for a while now. And when I came across your interview with Bob Berg, I immediately had to reach out and ask if you would be a resource here for my listeners. So I, I'm excited to dig in. Tell us what first drew you to this area of blind spots and really digging in and working on this. It was a probably it's a 12-year journey that I've been on. 12 years ago, I was actually at a workshop and we're sitting it's a personal development workshop. And I got to it because a couple of days earlier I was sitting in my brother's office and 
somebody said to me, have you seen your brother? Like, I said, yeah, he's a different person. What's going on? And literally the next day he came over and he, I opened the door and he gave me a hug. And I literally said, are you dying? And he goes, no. I said, well, why are you giving me a hug? We don't hug as a family. And he goes, oh, no, I just, I just, I just want to give you a hug. He just brushed it off. That's, that's weird. So then I heard that he had enrolled everybody in his personal development course. So I went into that. And I sat there and I got to learn about some of my behaviors and the stories I was telling myself and why I was telling them. It was just a beginning impetus of looking within myself. I didn't know how that, how that worked. So then I went on this journey for many years and I found a coach and he helped me through it. But the words blind spots weren't there at all. I just kind of kept on looking at, okay, why am I the way I am? Why are these emotions affecting me? Well, a buddy of mine gave me emotional intelligence 10 years ago and I never read it because I, I didn't know what that was. Fast forward, I had an IT company, I sold it. And I'm sitting at a beach, you know, of course you retire, you sit at the beach and you enjoy the life, right? On the eighth day, I woke up numb, like literally numb. Didn't know what had hit me. I called up my coach and he basically said to me, Licky, this is a, one of the things that we've been trying to talk to you about is that you feel valued when you're talking to other people. You feel valued when you make an impact. And now that you've sold your business, you're not doing anything. You're not talking to people. You're not feeling valued. So let's find a way of getting that back somehow, but also understanding from inside why you don't feel valued. Now, high school dropout, seven successful businesses, did really well. I still didn't feel valued. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue there. So I called up my good friend, Bob Berg. I said, Bob, um, this is what's happening, and I want to maybe work with you. And he goes, well, come and become a, star, a, 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 a speaker for us. And I said, well, I can't really be a speaker. I've got this stutter. And he goes, okay, well, how about being a coach for us? I go, sure. So, so he had this workshop in Orlando. So I flew to Orlando for this three-day workshop. On the last day, he does this exercise where he asked me to stand up and he acknowledged me for the person that I am. Kathy, his business partner, gets up and acknowledges me. And then the third person, the fourth person, and I am in tears. And he kind of looks at me and goes, what's going on? I said, I've never heard these words before. And he goes, I wonder if you've never listened to these words before. Let the rest of the people finish. So by the time the 10th person finished, I was, I felt a sense of lightness. And it felt serene. I sat down. That evening, I took a flight back to Dallas-Fort Worth. And I'm sitting next to this passenger for two and a half hours, and we're talking. In the last 10 minutes, I kind of go to her. I said, "Was did I have a stutter when I was talking to you? And she kind of looks at me weird. She goes, no. I'm like, oh. Then I went into DFW airport. and started talking to strangers to see if actually he had a stutter or not. I get home that night to Vancouver and I tell my wife this. And she says, great, it took 10 strangers to, for you to listen to what I've been trying to tell you for years. What I'm trying to say is that I wasn't ready to listening to what was good coming my way. I was always good at giving value. I was good at helping people out. But when people acknowledged me, I had a hard time. 
So that whole thing about lack of confidence, closed-minded, the imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough, was all there because I just didn't hear the good that was coming my way. And I never received it, never understood it. And that was my shift. That's when I realized I need to really step forward and start figuring out what I need to work on myself. And then that led to my company, which is Blind Spots Global, with my business partner in Arizona, where we've started this company where we help organizations and individuals find their blind spots. Because they are blind spots, you can't find them yourself. You know, when, we're when we're driving, we can look for our own blind spots because we don't want to get hit. But boy, in life, we don't look for our own blind spots. We don't, we don't even want to look in the mirror and see what's wrong with us. Right. Mind you, the blind spots. So, What a powerful catalyst. And I find it really interesting that the initial trigger for this stemmed from some really positive things. I mean, we tend to think of blind spots as, oh, no, that's something bad. But a blind spot could actually be something wonderful that you are either ignoring deliberately or just not listening to, like you were saying. You know, I, I never say blind spots are good or bad. It's an emotion or a trigger that is happening and occurring. You just need to manage how it is. This is where that whole self-awareness self comes into play, right? There's a stat that says that 95% of us actually think we're self-aware. But in actuality, only 15% are actually self-aware. That's a pretty staggering statistic. So really how can is. we become more self-aware? Yeah. Here's an example. When you're driving, somebody cuts you off. What's your first reaction? Do you get upset? Do you swear? Do you sit there and say, wow, they must be in a real hurry. They, they need to get somewhere. Have empathy. Whatever your emotion is, whatever your trigger is, understanding what that is and pinpointing it right at that moment, that's starting to become self-aware. When somebody says something you don't like, how do you react to it? When somebody starts blaming you for something, how do you react to it? When you have to get up on stage and say something and speak, what's your emotions that are happening? Is it the fear of imposter syndrome? Why am I up here? I don't deserve this. Or is it that maybe my stutter will come back again? Whatever that is, understanding those emotions and how you react to them, then we can be self-aware. We're really good at being aware of other people's emotions and why they're behaving that way. <laughs> yes. But we can. How, how can we actually understand other people's emotions when we don't understand our own? Mm -hmm. And that's that whole thing about being self-aware and understanding what our own blind spots are. <laughs> Would you say it starts with paying attention, just simply paying attention, even in the little things? You know, right now, uh, Teresa, you probably had a number of emotions from the start of this call to till right now. Is this going to go well? Who's going to be listening? Um, am I asking the right questions? And I'm just, I'm just throwing these things mm -hmm. out there because that's, that's what sure. will come up for me. How are you managing that? What's what, what's what are your ways of the patterns that you would always manage that? Are you thinking about what I'm dealing with right now? Are you worried about that? Or are you just actually just present and having fun in this conversation? These are all things that came up in the last 19 minutes in this conversation. Just being aware it's coming up is huge. Being aware that there's an emotion that's occurring and how you're behaving to it, how you're reacting, reacting to it is huge.
our emotions and our triggers are from our perceptions from the past event that happened. So for example, if I just slam this desk right now, you may react differently. But it's not because I slammed the desk, because it triggered you from a past experience. And it took you back. And your emotion is going to be based around that. So we need to go back to that. So I'll go back to my stutter. It took me 35 years to realize why I had a stutter. I knew I didn't have one when I, when I was born. I'd seen psychologists, seen psychiatrists, because we knew it was an emotional situation. The work that I did with my coaches and counselors went back to realize that it was when I was 10 years old, when I landed into Canada as an immigrant, my teacher had asked me to get up in front of the class and share a story. And when I got up, the kids started laughing. And one of the kids actually said, go back to where you came from. How traumatic. When I was 10 years old, I didn't know. So I sat at my desk and started crying. And the next day, the life of Licky not being good enough, doesn't belong, not worthy. The life of Licky with a stutter started. I held on to that for 35 years. Got bullied. I was diagnosed with ADD and ADHD because of that. And in reality, it was my anxiety that was actually occurring in class. It wasn't the lack of learning. But I dropped out of high school because I didn't belong. So once you understand your emotions and your triggers, you've got to go back and understand where they came from. And that's that key blind spot. And then you can reprogram the narrative around it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I keep on saying high school dropout. No, I'm not a high school dropout. I had to leave high school because I couldn't learn there. Mm-hmm. I am fairly intelligent. I can get through anything I need to get through. So it wasn't that I wasn't smart enough to finish high school. It just I couldn't learn that environment. Mm-hmm. And deciding not to let that define you. Exactly. And that's that narrative that we had to change. Imagine how many of us that are listening to this right now didn't get a degree, didn't do this, didn't do that, and feeling that imposter syndrome every time you're in front of people. You know, one of the, the, the interesting parts is right now, I picked up a client, which is at a large university in Canada. And I remember driving up to that university client for the first time. And it was actually the university where my daughter graduated from. And the sign said, convocation ceremonies go over here. And then I had to go to, go to the admin building. And as I'm walking in there, I'm actually laughing. I said, a high school dropout teaching a bunch of deans about have self-awareness. <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny. Wow. You know, that is a really good example because I hear so many people coming to me saying, do I have what it takes to be a grant writer? I don't know if I've got the skills. I don't know how to find clients. I don't know if I'm good enough. And the imposter syndrome is kicking in hard. But when we start digging into it, they have the skills, the intelligence, the background, so many things that they just need to own it and step into that. And what you're saying speaks very much to that idea. Yeah, and, you know, I know I don't want to fly a plane, but I know I can learn to fly a plane. I just choose not to. Mm -hmm. I know I don't want to bungee jump because I'm scared of heights, but I know I can do it, but I choose not to. But there's a narrative behind that, right? It's, it's our limiting belief that puts us in, into play. Like the whole bun- bungee jumping thing, I had to work that because I'm, I was scared of heights. And I know I wasn't scared of heights because I remember climbing things. And as a kid, you're always jumping around. So something had to happen to cause that. And I remember when I was, I think I was 12 or 13 years old, I was at the CN Tower in 
Toronto with my cousin. And we were at this out, the, they've got this huge um, outdoor platform, which is caged, but it's open. It's open wind. And I was just looking like this. And my cousin came from behind and pushed me against it. I wasn't going to go anywhere, but that was the impetus of me being scared of heights. So I had to go back and relive that and understand that was just a joke and it wasn't reality. And now I still have a bit of issue with heights, but it's I understand why. So all these limiting beliefs that we have about we can't do this, we don't want to do this, it's just we can all do whatever we want to do. It's we choose not to because of instances happen to us, a situation, somebody said something to you. Somebody said, oh, you didn't go to school. Oh, that's okay. You know, I know a lot of people didn't go to school. And right away, you're not good enough and it sits with you and you're not worthy. So if I'm going to go apply for a job, yeah, well, I'm not going to show up authentically because back in my mind, I'm not smart enough. So it's flipping that script into something more defined and a choice. It is. Understanding your own blind spots is a journey. I uncovered a huge one this weekend, and I won't get into it right now, but it was a huge one that there's a missing piece of my behavior that I just couldn't understand. An incident happened, reaction happened, a really close friend called me out on it because I gave a space to do it. And then I was able to say, ah, that makes sense. That's powerful. Yeah, it is. And, And the biggest reason I do that because I know the more I find my blind spots, the more of them I find, the better human being I can be and authentically show up. Bob Berg has five laws in his book, right? And uh, number four is law of authenticity. The most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. How can you offer yourself if you don't know who yourself is? So I'm on a journey to find out who the authentic self is and bring that person back out again. So I'm looking for him all the time. And I'm open to hearing from people, calling me out. And, you know, my trusted circle has full carte blanche to call up my blind spots. And I've created that space. It's important to have that. And I like that you're making that distinction between who we choose to allow to speak into that and who we filter out and say, no, the person that said I wasn't good enough or I don't have enough degrees They don't get to define that, but the person who knows me and cares about me and can say, hey, wait, you were out of line there. They're the ones I need to trust and listen to. You know, um, you're absolutely right. And in in organizations, that's very difficult because sometimes you don't know the other person that well. Yes. So what we ended up doing was a business partner, Kevin, he created a... um, online assessment called blind spots assessment and we'll put the link in the show notes i guess yes but, uh, you know everybody should take that because that, that's a, it's a great way of understanding what your common blind spots are based on your behavior and understanding those is great and then what we did was we launched um, a thing called leader's journey leader's guide journey where you in an organization can take this assessment and talk about and be vulnerable with each other and understanding what your own blind spots are. So, Teresa, I can't remember, you've taken the assessment. What was your style? Do you remember? It was the, I believe, analyzer. Analyzer. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, we and are I, the opposite. You were the opposite. I'm a connector. You're the okay. analyzer. So I felt like you had been sort of spying on me, even though we hadn't met yet. Like, oh, 
how did he know me so well? <laughs> yeah. Well, as an analyzer, you need details. You need <laughs> uh, systems in place. You can't just react like this, right? And here's an example. Uh, with my wife and I, I would call her up back in the day and say, let's go on a holiday. And the next day, I'd get this 30-page email about Hawaii and the sand we're going to be stepping on and the restaurants we're going to go to and the history there. And I'm like, I just want to go on a holiday. <laughs> I just want a nice go. getaway. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't go because I didn't want to read those 30 pages. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then vice versa. I'd be driving around and I'd come up with this business idea or I'd see this car and I'd call her up and say, look at this. And she's like, oh God, here he goes again. He's going to create more stuff or buy more stuff. And it's not, I'm just throwing stuff on the wall to see what sticks. That's my creativity. I'll tell the story. Like in the last 20 minutes, I've probably told you five stories. I'm a storyteller. But I've also realized that if I'm talking, so fast forward, when we went through this assessment and understood our styles, now what would happen is the email back would say in the subject line, Hawaii, 12 days, X amount of dollars. Then the 30-page email. Because she needs to communicate that way. She knows what I need. And then that allowed me to read the 30 pages email because now I'm now I'm interested. It gave you the hook to get exactly. your attention. Exactly. And then when I'm telling a story or some idea, I just have to say, hey, I'm just throwing stuff on the wall. I want to see if it's six. What do you think? So I give that space of saying, I'm not actually going to do this. I'm just thinking about it. So mm-hmm. you got to meet in the middle. So now imagine in an organization when you don't know styles and you're an analyzer, I'm a connector, I'm a storyteller, and you're like, can I have some details, please? You know, <laughs> impromptu meetings, for example. Hey, can we have a meeting, Teresa, this, this, in a couple of minutes? And you're like, what's the meeting about? Why are we having a meeting? It's not on my schedule. What are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I was thinking about this. What do you think? How do you think we can come up with this idea? And you're like, you're not making any sense to me. You're like, why are we having this meeting? And what I need to know as a connector is I can't call an impromptu meeting for you. It doesn't work for you. I have to send you an, an agenda or some thoughts beforehand, so you can get grounded for that. Mm-hmm. But in organizations, we just don't do that. We don't mm-hmm. understand other people's styles. Well, we need to. There's eight different styles. We need to understand all eight styles, and you can actually make things happen that way. My business partner and I are fairly opposites, but we get along really well because we know our strengths, we know how we need to communicate, and we make things happen because of that. It's helpful for yourself and for communicating with each other. I could see that being extremely useful, especially for nonprofit boards, the staff too, but especially with board members and needing to understand themselves first, but then also the dynamics of interacting. You know, um, you say the word not not for profit boards, and what occurs to me is is that incredible human beings are involved in this cause to help that cause. They want to be part of it. They want to help them out. But then there is uncertainty, unknowing, and they're there for their own purpose. And the other person there for their own purpose. The communication is not exactly right. There's an agenda for this. There's an agenda for that. We need to be able to communicate, especially at that level, to understand why we're there, understanding who we are as human beings and what brought us there and what brought other people there as well and work together so that we can achieve the greatest outcome that's possible, which is helping the cause. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's about the common mission, but the driver 
behind each person coming in could be very different. Yeah. And that's okay. Difference is okay as long as we're going for the common goal and mm-hmm. collaborating and communicating in the right, right way. And understanding whether you're an analyzer or a connector or a competitor and a peacemaker, right? Whatever your style is, if you all understand what those are, then you can communicate it by meeting in between in the middle and then getting an incredible board happening, an incredible organization occurring. Do you think it's important to have a good mix and a good balance of different styles? That's a great question. Now, when I'm when I go into organizations and we do this assessment, then all of us in this big gap, right? And there's too many in one in one uh, style. So I usually get the question from HR or CEO. Or, so should we fire somebody? Or I said, no, 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 no. You don't need to fire anybody. But the next time you're hiring somebody, write your job description based on what's missing in your organization, so you can fill that gap. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's it's wonderful if you have a mixture of everything in an organization because then you can work with different styles different approaches understand things a little bit differently knowing what is missing and why it's missing is also the key it starts with that awareness yeah i can't stress how important and blind spots self-awareness emotion intelligence they're all tied in together i'll ask you a question when's the last time you looked in the mirror without actually doing your face up. Just look in the mirror and look at yourself mm. and, and saw the real person. I don't know. I don't yeah. do that very often. How uncomfortable is it to look at yourself on Zoom right now? I had to really get used to it. Yeah. And I'm looking at you. I'm not looking at my own video, <laughs> except to glance and make sure my hair is still in place. <laughs> That's all. Exactly. Yeah. And we look in the mirror because we want to make sure we show up properly. Mm-hmm. Look in the mirror to see who you are, not how you show up. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And, you know, it can be uncomfortable uncovering some of these things, whether literally in the mirror or with these blind spots. What advice or encouragement do you have around that? Because we have to be willing to get a little uncomfortable, but well, knowing it's going to get better, it's for our own good. It doesn't get uncomfortable. It actually is a lot of fun. So, okay. you know, the blind spot okay. assessment, the leader's journey, that's a great way for organizations. I'll tell you a story about, you know I me, mean, the storytellers. So I'll tell you a short story about sure. one of the biggest changes for me that happened. I was at a course in New York a couple of years ago, and I asked my inner circle there, my little cohort, how do I show up when I walk into a room? And they kind of looked at me, they laughed. They go, are you sure you want to know? I go, yeah, of course I want to know. And they go, well, you show up as a pompous blank. And I kind of look back. I go, really? Tell me more. And they go, well, hang on. You show up as a pompous blank until you speak. Then you're warm, kind, and gentle. I go, what does that mean? He goes, well, you, you love dressing up. So, I mean, COVID, I've taken my clothes away. I mean, but uh, before that, I'd go dressed with loud jackets and loud shirts. I, I love that. That's my self-expression. That's my identity. But then... The bigger key was I wasn't smiling when I walked into a room. And I didn't smile because I think I have bad teeth. So I used to hide it. I've hidden it for many years. So am I smiling right now? Uh, a little bit, maybe? A little. A bit. Yeah. So now I have yeah, to actually. Off and on. Yeah. I had to really smile with my eyes and with my face not to really show up that. When they told me that, I was blown away. I didn't never, I never wanted to be known as that. But that's not who I am. Authentically, I'm not pompous. But you probably didn't want- think you were. 
No, they didn't think I was until I spoke. But they, they said, they, my question was, how do I show up when I first walk into a room? Mm-hmm. So if I walked into a room and you were there for the first time, what would your impression be of me? And that's what I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. That's a good that, question. It is. And how many leaders will actually ask that question? Mm-hmm. Not many. And how many leaders will actually listen to it? And want the feedback, the true shoot straight feedback. Yeah. So that was a, an interesting exercise. And then I walked into a networking event just a week or so later. And I was still dressed up, but I walked in smiling. And right by doing that, people actually approached me to talk to me. And that was, and that's when I learned, okay, just that little bit of a understanding of why I show up that way, dropping that guard with that facade, whatever I thought I had, it allowed for true connections to happen immediately. Connections happened before, but it was my intent. I'd have to go and talk to you. I'd have to come and reach out to you and have a conversation. But just by dropping that guard and smiling a bit, allowed people to approach me. Without even knowing it, you were putting up a barrier of sorts. Exactly. And that was just a small tweak that made a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, Blindspots Global, we have our leadership program where we cover seven laws. And one of the laws is the law of the facade, which is how we protect ourselves and how we guard ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once we drop that, or we understand, well, we can't drop that until we understand who we are. Then we drop that, that guard. And once we drop that guard, life opens up for you immediately. Mm-hmm. And if we can get a whole team to become more aware and do that, I bet that can just have exponential results. Yeah, I mean, we don't have much time right now, but I do have a client that we work with that they've grown from X amount to multiple amounts just in revenue. But the revenue wasn't the reason why we went in there. It was the happiness factor in the organization that changed. Mm-hmm. And when people are happy at work and they want to be there, they want they love Mondays and not hate Mondays. That's when we get excited because the revenues and the growth is going to happen. We know that. But it can't happen unless people there are authentically showing up and want to be there to help each other out. I love the way that that can change the whole narrative around things just by those subtle shifts and creating that catalyst for the awareness. And it's in a unique, rather surprising way, which I kind of like doing things a little unconventional outside the box and i think sometimes that's what we need just something a little different well i think there's a lot of leadership programs out there there's a lot of things a lot of books i've got a lot of books behind me and i've read almost all of them but there isn't a real way of saying look look within yourself and having that trusted circle having that coach having that person to say you're a good person let's just find where that is it's hiding you're you do belong you are worthy you do deserve it Let's find out why you feel you don't. I can sit here and keep on saying, I'm okay, I'm smart, but that's just a facade. Now I'm putting up a guard saying I'm smart and I'm good enough and I can do this, but not understanding why I can do that and understanding the real reasons. It's just another facade. Now you're protecting, you're taking the, the facade of not being good enough, protecting you with, I am good enough and not knowing the, the gap in between. Mm-hmm. And that's where it really, we need to dig in to figure out and bridge that gap. Exactly. Well, before we wrap up, would you share a resource that has been especially meaningful to you 
through your journey? Yeah, well, that's two things. Uh, it's Bob Berg's book that was uh, incredible for me, The Go-Givers, and uh, our assessment. Um, it's been a change for me, but it's been a it's been a huge change for everybody who's taken it. And that's what uh, really helps us because when I do one-on-one executive coaching, it takes me two or three sessions to really understand somebody. I can see the blind spots right off the bat. Uh, my business card says BS navigator, by the way. <laughs> So I can, I can sense the blind spots, but to build that trust, it takes two or three sessions for me to be able to call them out. And to break down the facade. Yeah. And then this assessment breaks it down right away. Mm -hmm. And it's a piece of white paper that says, this is your potential blind spots. What do you think? So there's no guards involved. There's no emotions involved in that. So that tool really fast tracks a a way of people changing, people understanding themselves, being a little bit more self-aware, understanding why they behave that way. And then if they can do the leader's guide journey, they then will also get an understanding of why others behave the way they do and what are their blind spots. I really like how you have taken something that can be so messy and emotional and you have made it somewhat more objective, like you said, and more quantifiable to where we can step away from that emotion and realize, okay, there's a reason for this. There are things I can be doing to make progress and help uncover those. Like you said, with it making it more neutral as opposed to positive or negative, just looking at, okay, here's how I'm wired. And I also really appreciate that you highlight that it's a journey. It's not a, you've got to get there to that spot. It's got to be perfect. It's a process and it's an ongoing process that we just need to lean into. I love that. A couple of things. Spoken like a true analyzer. Words like, <laughs> words like quantifiable. I love that. But yes, it is, it is a journey. And you've got, you have to understand that we're always on a journey. There's no end result. We're on a journey to better improve ourselves. I'm 55 years old. So I've had 55 years of bad habits in me, 55 years of narratives. It's not going to change overnight. But stepping into saying, I want to change and I want to understand why I'm this way. Okay, great. Let's work through that. And it's not it's not going to take you 55 years. Like I said, I've been on this journey for 10 years. And within the first few months, I realized some of the things. And that's when I started shifting. So don't be scared of uh, committing to that process. It's a it's an incredible journey to better yourself, better the people around you, have some incredible relationships. And sometimes you'll realize why your relationships aren't working and then you'll move on. That's a beautiful picture of encouragement and just a way to lean into it. And I appreciate that. And I know our listeners will appreciate it as well. Tell us where people can connect with you online if they want to learn more or follow your teaching and definitely to take the assessment. Perfect. Um, there's a couple, couple of resources. Uh, it's uh, lickylabg.com. And then the other one is blindspotsglobal.com. At Blindspots Global is our uh, company where we go into organizations and help organizations reach out, understand their blind spots and deal with empathy and self-awareness. And that allows teams to grow. And in, under Likilavji, you get a chance to take the assessment as well and also see the resources that we have available for you. And reach out to me and we're happy to help out anybody you want one-on-one as well. 
Perfect. I will link to everything in the show notes to be sure people can link through to access that. I so appreciate this conversation because as we've said, nonprofit leaders have such good hearts. They want to help. They're there because they care about the mission and making an impact. But sometimes we have these invisible hurdles that are stopping us from being as powerful as we could in that. So I really appreciate you providing this resource. You're welcome, Teresa. Just a quick note at the end. Uh, I launched my book last year, Death by BS, which is on behind me right there. Somebody asked me, what's that book about? And I said, it's an apology to all of my employees and vendors and customers I had for 25 years when I had my IT company. And they kind of looked at me and go, it's an apology book? I said, yeah, I'm actually coming out and saying why I was the way I was, when I didn't trust people, when I had an issue with that. So my biggest opening was when I actually put it on paper and mm-hmm. let go of what I was holding on to. Mm-hmm. and made it public. Did that take a lot of courage or was it time? It was both. It was uh, it was courage. It was when people started reading it, it really affected their lives. And then when a few of my ex-employees read it and they reached out and said, thanks for saying what you said, but you actually made a bigger impact on us by the way you are as well. And so I am the way I am today because of the work that you did for us, the way you did it. But now I understand why you were that way. So there's a pros and cons to both approaches and what, the way I did it. But it was me being open and authentic and vulnerable saying, yeah, look, I'm not, a, I am a human being. I don't have this facade that I want to portray out there and I want to help people. And I am back to who I authentically am. And that's the heart. That, that was a fun journey to be on. And it's still the journey continues still. We are all a work in progress. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, I that's now on my reading list <laughs> to make sure <laughs> and check that one out too. <laughs> that's so thank you so much. This has been delightful. Thanks, Teresa. Thanks for having me on. And I, I acknowledge everybody for listening on this because that's a first step of saying I want to be self-aware. Yes, I agree. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All right. What do you think? Did this open up some new ideas and some thinking for you today? I hope it created a willingness to lean into your blind spots, whether it's personally or as an organization. So my challenge question for you today is what have you uncovered either about yourself or your organization? I encourage you to go check out Licky's blind spot assessment and see where you land. I think you'll find it really insightful. If you're interested in the nonprofit context, I have a couple of tools to help you as well. Grant writers, you can go take the quiz, Do You Have What It Takes to Be a Grant Writer? at TeresaHuff.com slash quiz. And nonprofits, you can take the grant readiness audit at TeresaHuff.com slash grant ready to see where you land. All right, friends, keep up the good work. Go check out your blind spots and have fun with it. I think you'll enjoy it. Have a great week and go change your world. Bye.